All right, good morning, everybody. Wave at me a little bit. Hey, good to see you guys here at Regal. Welcome to Joy Church UO joining us on video today. Hope you guys are doing great over there. Hopefully it's sunny at the University of Oregon because it's not sunny this morning at Regal. Uh, maybe at 10.30 when they have service, it will, it will be nice and sunny. Winter is reasserting itself, isn't it? How many of you, you kind of let yourself have hope and belief that spring was here? And I actually have not heard confirmation if the groundhog, if Punxsutawney Phil, did he say more winter or spring? What, what happened? Punxsutawney said spring. How many of you think Punxsutawney knows what he's talking about? Punxsutawney Phil? So uh, maybe you don't know this, but my family, the Schmelter family, for years and years and years, my dad, he initiated this. We celebrate Groundhog's Day. So that's a, that's a holiday for us. And I remember every Groundhog's Day, something, we would do something special. So you can borrow this for your family because it's great. Because you, you have like Christmas, and then when it's over, there's this long stretch. You Basically until 4th of July or Easter, there's not really like holidays, right? So Groundhog's Day right in February is a great time to celebrate. So you can have that. But I remember one time uh, at Groundhog's Day, we're, we're sitting in our house, and my parents are like, we're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they're like, just wait, just wait. Evening comes. And they're like, look out the window. And we look out the window, and there was a limo. And they took us to Hot Now, which was like a fast food restaurant in a limo. <laughs> and we got stuck in the drive-thru. It was awesome. So making memories, making memories. Anyways, it was awesome. So today is one of those, those days where basically I'm relying on the Holy Spirit and caffeine, which is usually every day for me. But how many of you are like, this is a high coffee day? Like you know how it goes. Bethany and I, we had a great weekend. We were up in Portland uh, doing some ministry at a church up there, and we ended up staying up really late. We we had the service went long on Friday night, so we didn't get to bed, which is not common for us. But we didn't get to bed until two thirty in the morning, which if you can sleep in the next day is fine. But we ended up needing to. We had to get to Medford from Portland for a ten a.m. funeral service, and so we got up at four thirty in the morning after going to bed at two thirty. So slept for two hours, drove to Medford, and then had to get back yesterday uh, for church today. So we're, we're, we're kind of like existing on coffee. But uh, I was, it was okay. I, even though I was tired, I persevered and watched the USA win gold in snowboarding in the Olympics. Come on. Go get it. How many of you like the Olympics? You Olympic people? My wife hates the Olympics. So it's okay, baby. I got a DVR for the whole thing. It's all... It's all there. Hours and hours and hours of curling. Come on, somebody. It's a good day. All right. Well, we are continuing in a series that we started last week called Eternity Now. Somebody say, Eternity Now. Eternity Now. now. And this series is about living our lives in in light of eternity. Living our lives in light of eternity. Do, Do you live your life like the choices that you make have an eternal impact? And I want to ask you this question is what you're living for, what you're giving yourself to, your life to, is it making a positive impact on eternity? I really believe this, that our everyday ordinary actions are far more significant than we think they are. We think that our daily decisions and our daily actions and our daily habits and thoughts and words, that they just kind of have this impact on the here and the now. That's not true. They actually are making either a positive or negative impact on eternity Have you ever heard the phrase, that person is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? Have you heard that before? I actually think it's the the opposite is true, that a person who truly is heavenly minded, who's thinking about the impact their choices have on eternity, that that person is good for the earth. That person is good for the here and now. It's the people 
that are thinking about life and what they do and who they talk to and who the decisions they make, those people that are thinking about heaven and thinking about eternity, they make a significant impact for good on the earth right now. We went over this last week, but I want to just, just talk about it for a few moments before we jump into the content for today. But Jesus, when his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? How many think Jesus is a good teacher on how to pray, right? Mr. Rogers can teach you some good stuff. Sesame Seed, but Sesame Street, not Sesame Seed. <laughs> Sesame Seed is where you go to eat sushi, right? I'm going to sit in the Sesame Seed. Please serve me here. So, uh, but Sesame Street, Jesus, that was a good joke, guys. Come on, let's wake up. Let's go. That was good. Thank you. Uh, Jesus is a great teacher on prayer. His disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says to them in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we hear the word heaven and our mind instantly goes to fat little babies playing harps, sitting on clouds, Right? Or you might be thinking of streets of gold or these kind of things. But biblically, the concept of heaven is a little bit different than what we've kind of made it. See, we, we kind of treat heaven like heaven is the place that you go when you die if you're basically a good person. And all the dogs go there, right? All dogs go to heaven. Cats don't go to heaven. Rodents don't go to heaven. Sorry, cat people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, just, it's, in, it's the first book of hesitations, two, three. So um, all dogs go to heaven. We kind of have this mindset of what heaven is. But biblically, heaven is not just this place you go when you die, all right? Just st stick with me here for a second. Heaven is God's realm. Heaven is God's domain. Heaven is the place where, where, where what God wants gets done. And the, the point uh, and, and the earth where we are is the place where right now we understand it's this place of brokenness and pain and suffering, right? And things aren't necessarily going the way that God would want them to get done. But initially, God's original plan was that heaven and earth would coexist. They overlapped. And, and in Genesis 1, we, hear the, we see the story of the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were in this perfect relationship with God, and there wasn't suffering and pain, and there was eternal life, and there wasn't sickness, and they had perfect relationship with one another and perfect relationship with God, and heaven and earth were coexisting, overlapping. That's what God intends. And so the story of the Bible is not the story about how we, as followers of Christ, are just going to leave this place and everything's going to be destroyed and all this kind of stuff and this escapeology. That's not what our faith is. Our faith is that God wants to reconcile heaven and earth once more. Come on. God wants to bring these realms together so that where God, uh, when God gets his way, when, when God's grace and his goodness and his glory in heaven, how that looks, that that would come to the earth and that that would overlap once more. So when you see the prayer of Jesus, what he's really saying is this. Our mission as Christians, you're going to pray like this. You're going to say, God, would you let heaven come to earth? Would you let eternity happen right now? Think about it this way. Jesus isn't saying, pray like this. God, will you, will you pull us out of here? Will you take us out? No, he's saying, God, bring your kingdom here. Bring heaven here. Bring eternity now. That's how Jesus wants us to pray because he wants our prayers and our actions to reflect his heart for the world, this heart of reconciliation that God's will would be done. So we're supposed to think about eternity now. We're supposed to think about God's original intention coming again and being fulfilled on this 
planet. Now, we went into this last week, and hopefully, if you weren't here last week, go back on joyeugene.com, and you can, you can l- listen to the message. I would encourage you to do that, because we laid some kind of foundations for what I want to talk about today. But today, I want to take it real practical and give you some handlebars and ways that you can apply this kind of thinking and live this kind of way. So today, I want to talk about uh, what I like to call the big three, the big three. I like it in basketball teams, you'll have the big three. You know, you got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and uh, Kevin Durant, they have like the big eight. They have Everybody's good for them. It's not fair. The Blazers need some good players. Come on. We need to intercede. Jesus, let your will be done and your kingdom come in the Portland Trail Blazers basketball. Let it look more like heaven than what it looks like right now. But the big three, the, these are three areas, three things in our life that when we will think, when we will be eternally minded and we will think about God's kingdom coming and his will, be, will being done in these areas of our life, they make a huge impact on eternity. And these big three areas that I'm going to talk to you about today, they, they really function as a spiritual thermometer uh, or a spiritual compass that, that really, when you look at these three areas, and I'll tell you what they are, I know I'm not giving you the goods yet, but when, when you look at these three areas, they're really a good indicator of kind of where somebody is at on this spectrum of thinking about eternity and about thinking about God's kingdom coming to earth. So, we're going to talk about these big three things. And here's what the big three are. They are our, how we use our time, our talent, and our treasure. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. Now, you might be thinking, I don't have any time. I don't have any talent. And you especially don't have any talent, Jake. Uh, and I don't have any treasure. But the reality is everybody has time. Everybody has talent, gifting, ability, and everybody has treasure. Maybe you don't have as much as the next person or whatever, but you have something. And these three things, how you, how you allocate them, how you give them, how you prioritize them in your life, how you use these, how you operate when it comes to these big three things is really an indicator of is your heart in eternity Is your treasure stored up in heaven or is it here on earth? Are you focused on the here and now like Demas who loved this present world? Remember we talked about Demas last week. Or is your mind on eternity? Are you thinking about God's kingdom coming and his will being done here and now? So I want to talk about the big three today. Uh, Number one, let's talk about time. Time is a fascinating concept to me. And I, I often spend a lot of time thinking about time, just the nature and the quality of time, how people spend time, how I spend time how to save time, right? It's an interesting thing. But how we spend our time is the number one, the number one measure of our priority. We just got done with a series called Minimal where we we learned you can't have priorities, you just have a priority, right? Something is number one. When it comes to your time, there are things that in your life, multiple things that are important, but there's something that's number one. There's something that you give not just the most time to, but the best time to. And there's a difference, isn't there? Like if somebody says, hey, I, I, give, I give the space of time between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. to God by, by sleeping. That's what I give to God. Like, no, that's not that. Yeah, it's four hours, but you're asleep. It's not quality time. You can imagine husbands and wives, if you're, wives, if you're like, hun, we don't spend any time together. You're like, babe, I spend eight hours with you every day in bed, asleep. You know, no. That, so not all time is equal, is it? There's, there's quantity, but there's quality how we spend our time is the number one measure of priority. And this is why, because on this side of eternity, while we are living in this time and space, uh, time and space reality in this universe, time is a limited quantity, isn't it? It's scarce. How many of you ever feel like, oh, I just don't have enough time? And the reality is everybody has the same amount of time, right? 
Some people use their time in a wise way and they they make an impact and their time counts maybe for more than another person because of how they spend their time. But on this side of eternity, time is the most valuable resource that we have. Nobody has more, nobody has less. It's it's a limited thing on this side of eternity. And, And the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says this very interesting thing about time. And he's talking about time, not just in in light of like being a good time manager, but he's talking about it, about eternity and and time. And he says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And he says, make the most of every opportunity. And I want you to let that phrase kind of stick in your mind. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. How many of you know that it's possible to operate in the area of time without thought. Come on, if you're, ever, if you're ever on Twitter, you know there are people that act without thought when it comes to time. On Facebook, hey, I just spent all day reading the 37 best movies of the 80s. You know, like all these things that are out there. You can act thoughtlessly about time. He says, don't do that. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. In other words, in other words, what is of eternal impact? What does God want you to direct your time to, okay? Now, when you look at Ephesians 5, it's interesting because we read it here in English in the New Living Translation, and it's a thought-for-thought translation. It says, make the most of every opportunity. But in the original Greek, it actually says, redeem the time. Redeem the time. That's actually English, but it's, I'll explain this in a second. The, 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 the word-for-word translation of this is redeem the time. See, the Greeks had a really cool understanding of time. They had at least two words that described time, and they were different types of time. They had a word called chronos. Sounds like a Marvel uh, action person, doesn't it? You can see how much I like comic books. I call them action persons. That's not something, but a villain. You know, we have chronos time, and chronos time is clock time. It's like 7 to 8 p.m. It's clock time, chronos, Right? And then the Greeks had another word for time that that was called kairos, kairos. And kairos was different than chronos. Chronos is clock time. It's just like one second, two second, three second, four second. Kairos is why it's translated in English opportunity. It's talking about moments of significance, kairos moments. And so Paul here is not saying redeem your chronos time. He's not saying, hey, become a better time manager and figure out how to work harder between the hours of seven and eight. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about kairos. He's talking about strategic moments of opportunity. Strategic moments of opportunity. Now, we understand this very well because think about your your day. Let's say you're going to go for uh, a job interview. So you, you, you get ready in the morning and it's 9 a.m. and you get ready, you take a shower, you brush your teeth. Hopefully you do if you're, if you're applying for a job. Brush your teeth. That's like a minimal requirement, you know, and, and don't walk in with a beaver's outfit on. You know, we don't want to be rejected, um, especially in Eugene. So get some nice duck skier and go into your interview with your teeth brushed and your hair combed and, you know, maybe lay off the weed for a few days or whatever, but get, get in there. Come on, that's funny. Hello, we're having fun today. All right. Um, if you're not intoxicated when you show up, that's also good. And um, so you get there. When you, go, when you go into this interview and you sit in front of the boss, how many of you know that that now has gone from being chronos time, chronos time, now you're in kairos time? Because this is called crunch time, right? In the Super Bowl last week, praise Jesus, the Eagles won. Sorry, Patriots. But uh, we love our Patriots fans. Joe, you know, Lord help and bless him, Jesus. He needs the comfort and encouragement of the Lord. So 
when you get to these moments, right, you get to the fourth quarter and everybody's talking about Tom Brady. Why? Because Tom Brady is great about Kairos moments, isn't he? When it's the fourth quarter and he's got the ball, you expect him to come back, right? So you could put another quarterback in that same space of Kronos, but the strategic moment, the opportunity, that, that pivotal point is different. And we get that, right? I mean, there's all kinds of moments like this in life, Kairos moments, like the time when I asked my wife to marry me. She wasn't my wife when I asked her to marry me. She was pre, pre that, but, you know, and, and I asked her to marry me. That, that moment was significant, more hung on that moment than on other moments, all right? Now, Paul is saying, look, your life is going to have these strategic moments of opportunity, kairos time, moments where you can make a decision to make a positive or a negative impact on eternity. I like to call these kairos moments, these these opportunities, I like, I like to call them moments of eternity where the weight and impact of, the, of what's happening or what you are deciding to do or what is going on in a moment of chronos, when it, it switches and now it's, it's something that's making a moment of eternity, the, the normal flow of time is not sort of the same in that moment. There's more going on. And I've experienced these moments of eternity and I believe you have too. I remember when my daughter Evie was born, I was in the, in the room and, and Bethany did a phenomenal job um, giving birth. And, you know, that's amazing that she did that. I mean, just what an incredible hero women to give birth. I'm so glad that I don't have to do that unless we get into like a weird universe of Danny DeVito with that. Remember that movie or whatever? Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger got pregnant. Yeah. Okay. So you could tell I need more coffee today. I'm just rabbit trail. So anyways, this moment when Evie is born, and I could feel eternity kind of come in the room when Evie comes out and she, and she takes her first breath. It was like, yeah, five minutes have gone by, more than that in labor, but you know, this, this moment of time, five minutes on the clock, but there's eternal significance here. Come on, it's a Kairos moment. It's a Kairos moment. There's been times where I have conversations with people about Jesus, conversations where a person is open and they're talking about their they're deciding, am I going to follow Jesus with my life or am I going to continue on the path that I'm on? And time sort of gets compressed or expanded. It's the, the normal flow of time is different and now it's a Kairos moment. Even moments of pain. Maybe you've had moments in your life where somebody spoke something to you and it just like stung and it stuck with you. Maybe it was when you were a kid, but even now as an adult, that shapes you. That's, that was a Kairos. That was an eternal impact moment. And here's the thing, as followers of Jesus, what we are told to do, what Paul's saying to do is saying, hey, these moments that go on, these kairos moments, these moments of opportunity, use whatever you can do. Use all wisdom and be disciplined to, to let these things go to become a positive impact upon eternity. See, if you've been negatively affected by something somebody said, turn that around and think about how you talk to other people and realize that the words you are speaking into someone's life that seem ins insignificant in the moment could potentially be putting a mark upon them, either for good or for evil. Come on, somebody. Eternally minded people, they, their time tells their time is an indicator, a thermometer. It's saying this is where their heart is. Is your heart in God's kingdom and in God's purposes that you are grabbing hold of every strategic opportunity and, and, and taking it and saying, I'm going to take this moment and I'm going to make an impact positively for eternity. Do you spend your time 
on yourself and specifically these strategic moments on yourself and for your own, the building of your own life, your own kingdom, or is it given for God and for other people? Do you spend time with God or only on your own pursuits? Have you created space in your life to to meet with God and to have a relationship with God? Are you giving your time to what has eternal value? I find this interesting as we talk about life and instead of cutting things away and minimizing and actually removing things, we just try to become better and better and better and better time managers. And that's not what we should do. We should say, no, am I actually giving my life to what makes a difference for eternity. One of the the heartbeat, the real heartbeat of our church is relationship and discipleship. That's why we're always saying, be in a joy group, be in a joy group, be in a joy group, lead a joy group, be a part of a joy group, joy group, joy group, joy group, joy group. You know, how many times can you say that? How fast can you say it? Say it 10 times. We always are talking about this. Why? Because we know from the Bible, we know what Jesus says, that relationship and discipleship are critical. They make them, they're, they're, they're moments of eternity, and so if we can say, if we can get ourselves out of discipline into groups and beginning to walk together and that we're going to make an impact positively on eternity, relationship and discipleship, we are all investing our time, which is really our lives, either into this world that will fade away or into eternity. So the first thing, the first part of the big three is our time. Am I using my time making an impact on eternity? Number two, our talent. Our talent, one of my favorite YouTube videos is of Charles Barkley golfing. Have you ever seen Charles Barkley try to golf? It's the weirdest looking swing. It's like this, he has a hitch and he kind of, it looks like that a little bit. It's like four or five distinct movements. (laughs) One of my favorite moments is Charles Barkley is taking golf lessons from Hank Haney. Have you seen this? Hank Haney is Tiger Woods golf coach. So I think he knows a little bit about golf. And uh, Charles Barkley tells Hank Haney, he goes, you ain't got no real talent, Hank. (laughs) I just love that moment because Charles Barkley has the butt ugliest swing ever. Everybody has talent. Every single one of you, every single one of us are uniquely gifted and graced by God to add value to the world around us. In some way, shape, or form, you have talent. Now, you might not know what it is. You might not believe me, but you do. And, And God has, he made you on purpose. He made you for purpose. God has uniquely graced and gifted you. I want to ask you, how are you using that? Your talent, your your abilities, how are you using that to make an impact on eternity? Are you using them to just build your life right now? See, a lot of people, they're just using their talent to make money and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the focus of your life, you're going to end up unfulfilled because God didn't give you your talent just for you to have the best life that you possibly could. He wants you to have a great life. But no, he gave you that ability, that talent to to make a difference in the lives of people around you, to make an impact for eternity. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse six, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And he goes through a list here. He says, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In other words, God has given everybody some gift, some talent, some some grace that God has placed in your life, and you are called to use that for the advancement of the kingdom. We are called to put our talent into play. We're not called to put our talent 
uh, on the bench, you're called to get in the game. And so we need to ask these questions. What is my part to play? Every single day, you should wake up on fire. Come on, get up in the morning and be like, hey, what is my impact today? What is my role? How am I today gonna make a positive impact on eternity? And if you don't know what your part to play within the church or within the world is, if you don't understand your, your gift, I'm gonna put a plug in. You need to go to Next Track because every Sunday at 9 a.m. we explore what is your gift. On, on week two in Next Track, you actually take a spiritual giftings test and it tells you, hey, you, based on your personality and based on how you answer the questions, you probably have a gift that lines up like this. You probably have a teaching gift or you have a mercy gift or you have a giving gift, but you've got some gift. Come on. So take next. And I want you to think about this question. What are you depriving the world of if you don't offer your God-given grace gift? I mean, I want you to think about this. Do you think that God, when he was creating you, like it says in the book of Psalms, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knows you before you were even born, that as God in his infinite wisdom, that when he formed and fashioned your personality and your talents and your abilities, do you think that he did that by accident or that he did that just hoping that you would shelve it and keep it hidden? No, God made you to play a part in the world. And so when we, out of insecurity or laziness or thoughtlessness or whatever reason, when we deprive others of the talent that God has put inside of us, we are literally removing the intention of God into this planet, what God wants to do. Your life can be a conduit, can be a vessel for eternity now. Come on, I'm spitting a lot, which means the message is starting to get good today. So <clears throat> you can tell, is the, the, fill up that cup, you know, if the water level rises, it's a good sermon. What are you depriving the world of that God has put inside of you? I love this, uh, this story. I remember growing up, and I have Sicilian grandparents. Come on, forget about it. You know, and, and if, if you have an Italian family, I don't know if, if you know about this, but Italians, they cover their furniture in plastic. Anybody part of an Italian family, you know what I'm talking about? So this is actually a real thing. It's like old school, old world Italy and, you know, back east. So my grandpa, he had always had nice furniture, nice artwork, nice lamps. He owned a furniture store. I mean, it was always really nice. And it's crazy because Italians, they have like a family room where your family can actually go. And then they have a living room and nobody's allowed to live in there. You can't have any actual life in there. And I remember going to my grandparents' house, white carpet, right? In the living room, totally white carpet, spotless. Because no kid is going to step foot in there or you will die you will literally go into the pasta sauce, right? And just be part of that. So, uh, and then you'd see the furniture and it would be completely covered in plastic, completely covered in plastic. And it looks horrible, but it's to keep it nice, right? But totally covered in plastic. And it's so funny because I think that's how some of us are. The nicest part of our life is completely covered in plastic and off limits because we're insecure or we, we, we used our gift at one point in church and somebody didn't you know, applaud us the way that they, we thought we should be or we're just embarrassed or maybe we don't think our gift is as good as the next person or whatever reason, but we're off limits and our, the furniture's covered in plastic. And here's the word of the Lord for you today. Rip the plastic off and use the nice furniture. Uh, if you need to have the white carpet and you need to get it dirty and muddy and put something else in, then do that. But put your talent and ability into play. Let me give you something here. There are no spectators allowed in the kingdom of God. There are no spectators allowed in the kingdom of God. And you're like, you're saying people that don't put their gifts and practices into play aren't going to heaven? No. I'm talking about 
the fact that God wants you to participate in heaven now, eternity now. God wants you to participate in the coming kingdom. God wants us to be participators. Only participators get to take part in the kingdom of God. You can't sit on the bench. There are no spectators allowed in God's kingdom, only participators. You participate in the life of Jesus. When you receive Jesus and you, you receive grace and forgiveness, you are immediately called into the battle, immediately called into the game. You can't hang out on the side and just say, I'm just here to enjoy what Jesus did for me. That's not how the gospel works. Because the gospel is not just how to get to heaven when you die. The gospel is how to help heaven come here now. I'm preaching good today. No spectators allowed in the kingdom of God, only participators. And let me just give you something here. It is so much more fun to participate than to just shelve your gift. Use it. So time, talent, last one, treasure. This is good. Treasure, I like this. Jesus, he, he talked a lot about money in the scripture. And it's interesting because he wasn't grubbing for money. Um, he wasn't necessarily taking up an offering. Jesus talked about money for this reason. It's because he, knew, he knows it's an indicator of heart. If somebody said, Pastor Jake, would you help me understand kind of is my, is my heart lined up? Am I, am I really making an impact in eternity? Am I investing that direction? I would say, you show me two things. Show me your watch and show me your wallet. How you spend your time and how you spend your money will indicate the direction of your life. Those are indicators. It's a thermometer of spiritual uh, impact. And we need to understand the economy of eternity. What is valuable in heaven? What is valuable for eternity? What's going to last? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and I'm going to read it out of the message paraphrase. He says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. In Matthew 6, that same passage in the New King James, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I used to read this passage and I'd think, okay, store up treasures in heaven. What does that look like? It means I do good things and then Jesus puts pennies in my bank account in heaven, right? Is that kind of how we think? It's not what it's talking about so much, though. What, what Jesus is saying to us is that you, uh, all of us are operating kind of in, in, in a two-tiered system, is that we have an opportunity to invest in the things of this world and actually build something with your life, right? You know that there's things you can put your life and time and energy and money into right now and actually build something. You can build companies, you can build all kinds of things, uh, a political career. I mean, you could do all types of things on this earth. But as we learned last week, everything that is a part of this world is going to fade away and be gone. So a lot of people are building a lot of sandcastles that at some point when the wave comes, all of that is gone. What Jesus is saying is if you will actually invest your life and your priority, your time, your talent, and your treasure, if you will invest it in the kingdom of God and the purposes of God here and now, then what's going to happen is when it changes over into this eternal perspective is those things will still be there. Remember, heaven's not just this place we go when we die. God is bringing heaven and earth back together. What are you going to have in this new heaven and the new earth? What will you have created? What will you have invested in? If you've invested your time and talent and treasure in the purposes and the plans of God into God's kingdom, those things are still going to be here when heaven comes to earth. To store up that treasure in heaven means you are eternity proofing your investment in life. How many of you have ever played Monopoly? 
And you know, there's always a, a mean older brother or sister or a mean uncle or aunt that always, they try to mess you over. And they'll be like, hey, why don't you trade me park, uh, uh, what's the boardwalk in Park Place? Is that right? Why don't you trade me a boardwalk and I'll give you this nice Mediterranean card. And they'll say, you know, it's cheap to build up Mediterranean. You can uh, build up hotels on there for only like $400. Park Place and Boardwalk are really expensive. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This is what the enemy does to us. He comes along and he says, hey, you've got Park Place and Boardwalk in God's kingdom, but I want you to hand that to me and I'll hand you this Mediterranean. And oh, it's going to be a good deal for you. And it's not. The enemy always comes to lie and says, look, store up treasure on earth. Be rich to yourself. Be selfish with your possessions. Don't be a giver. Don't be generous. And look, you're going to get a great deal. And what you are actually giving away is something that has eternal and lasting value. Because the secret to fulfillment in life, even when it comes to our money, is to be eternally minded, to be generous towards God, to be generous towards his kingdom. It actually is a good investment. Not, Not only spiritually, but naturally, it's a good investment to invest your time, your talent, your money in the kingdom into eternity. So our time, our talent, our treasure, they're indicators. Indicators, thermometers, they they tell the temperature. Am I eternally minded or am I just thinking about the things of this world? I wanna give you some action steps today, how to put each of these three things into play. Number one, we need to prioritize our time in light of eternity. We need to redeem the time, maximize the moments of opportunity. I wanna encourage you to walk away today and think about a a critical strategic shift in your life. What are some moments that I could give to God's kingdom to build for eternity? For some of you, that's going to be taking a step to now spending your time in joy group, to giving, maybe giving an evening to Christian fellowship and relationship and, 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 and actually using that time, redeeming that time to bring people that don't know Jesus into community with you but prioritize your time in light of eternity. Number two, use your gift to be a gift. Get off the bench and into the game. If you haven't gone to Next Track, get into Next Track. You can start any week, 9 a.m., theater two. Uh, you can go in there, learn your gift, but say, this is what I'm good at. This is what, I'm, what, what my gift is. I'm gonna use that to serve the church, be a gift in the church and a, and a gift in the world. But don't, don't be on the shelf. Don't be a spectator, be a participant. And number three, I wanna encourage you to start trusting God with your money. Time, talent, and treasure. Why did Jesus talk about money? Because it shows our heart, shows our heart. How do we start trusting God with our money? Well, the main thing, this is what you're doing. You're saying, God, would you, would you change my heart from selfishness to generosity? That's number one. From selfishness to generosity. In other words, if you think about your resources, your money, And you think about it like this, this is my money. I worked hard for it. Nobody else is getting this. I'm not giving it to the church. I'm not giving it to the poor. I'm not giving it to the mission field. I'm not giving my money away. That's a selfish perspective. And it will ultimately what you'll be doing is storing up treasures here on earth. It's not like God's gonna come and take away your money from you. He's not. You're just gonna miss out on what he could do with you. Come on. And so a generous perspective, though, you flip that switch and all of a sudden you say, hey, everything I have is not mine, it's God's. It was given to me. And God doesn't want you to have empty hands. He just wants you to have open hands. Say, Lord, I I start from a generous perspective. Let me just tell you a secret. You cannot outgive God. As generous as you think you are, you will literally never exceed the generosity of God. 
God emptied heaven's treasury and sent Jesus to die for you on the cross. Like you could never repay that. So right away, you're already at a disadvantage. You're never gonna beat God. Let me just tell you right now, any money that Bethany and I have ever given, every cent that we've ever given to God, he has far exceeded in every way, including financially his blessing in return. But you have to come to that generous perspective. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do practically though. I wanna encourage you to start tithing and giving very quickly. Tithing is the concept of that the first 10% of your income that you return that to the Lord. And this is a whole biblical principle. I'm not gonna teach through it all right now. I wanna encourage you, if you wanna understand tithing from the biblical perspective, go on our website, joyeugene.com, click on the Give tab. There's a, there's a whole paper that was written by a, a pastor named Dave Patterson. You can click on there and read about it. And I think that will encourage you and help you to understand. But Bethany and I, ever since we've been married and even before, I mean, from the time I was a little boy, 10%, of, of everything that I ever got, I, I returned it to the Lord. And let me just tell you right now, tithing is the baseline for generosity. Tithing is just saying, it's just this very first thing to understand everything I have is God's, all right? Tithing, then above that 10% is what, is what we call giving. So a lot of people will say, hey, I'm gonna give my tithe. You don't give your tithe, you pay your tithe. 10%, the Bible says, bring that into the storehouse. That goes into uh, God, that, that's his portion, okay? And God then blesses the rest of it so that it far exceeds anything that you would have had had you just held on to that part. But you pay your tithe, then anything above that is what God would, what we call a free will offering or giving. And Bethany and I, we have many things. We give to Joy Church. We tithe to Joy Church. Uh, we, we tithe, but we, then after that, we give offerings. We give to Joy Church. We give to missionaries. We give to the poor. We give to, uh, we support uh, people in ministry. We, we do all kinds of things that we're so blessed to do because that's the giving portion. It's above and beyond. And it's just out of the, what God has done in us, just a response to that. And here's what happens. When you start tithing and giving and you start having this generous heart and you start trusting God with your money, you get brought into an eternal, uh, you get brought into this eternal perspective. And all of a sudden money becomes not this thing that's uncomfortable and hard and like weird and crazy. All of a sudden you start living in the generosity zone and all of a sudden God starts blessing you because you're blessed to be a blessing and life is so much better and you're making an impact on eternity. Now, here, let me just give you a little, a little disclaimer here. If you said, I'm gonna get, okay, man, here's the pastor. He's talking about money. Pastors and churches always after money. I don't, I don't my salary that I get from Joy Church is, is not affected numerically by if you give a million dollars or you give nothing. My salary is set by a committee. They, so, I'm, t I'm talking to you as a brother in Christ. It, does not, it doesn't affect my finances one way or another. You hear what I'm saying? My wife and I, we are not, we are participators in this as Christians. We are tithers, we are givers. I'm telling you this for you. This doesn't do anything for me, okay? You, you, you give, you, I don't know if people give. You give, you don't give, I don't know. I'm just telling you, this is good for your life. Come on. How many of you that have, have trusted God with your money and are living generously would say, come on, it's a good decision? It's a good decision. So begin to have a generous heart towards God. Start tithing, start giving. The Bible literally says, God says, test me in this when it comes to tithing. So I wanna encourage you. We have so many people that are just brand new followers of Jesus. This is a step of faith for you to say, are you serious, Jake? You want me to give 10 cents out of every dollar to God? Yeah, because God says, test me in this and watch if I will not open the storehouse of heaven and bless you. We are blessed to be a blessing. Start trusting God with your money. Prioritize your time, use your talents, and store your treasure in heaven. 
These are the big three, and they're the way that we live in eternity now. 